Hey, this is Michael Wiley, and you're listening to Debbie Devotion. Welcome in to the Debbie Devotional Podcast, a show devoted to all things Debbie and C2C. Hosted by John Arrington and Aaron Wilcox. This dynamic duo brings you actionable strategies with player-driven analysis for your Devi and C2C leagues. Let's dive in. Let's dive in to Devi Risers. Welcome into the Devi Devotional, where we stay devoted to Devi. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox86 on Twitter. And tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about some risers in our ranks, some some players that maybe we didn't give enough credit to last year. And now we're going to go ahead and fix that problem. Maybe even just in the past couple of months, you know, we're we're sitting here going, hey. You know, it's time to correct this, right this wrong, you know, correct these ranks. And we're going to go ahead and do that tonight. But first, of course, we have to check in with Aaron. And then, I mean, it's been a little while since we recorded. Maybe we can get into a, a little bit of senior bowl talk before we dive into these, these risers. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since we, we had that great shout out on the intro, Michael Wiley. Uh, you can tell us a little bit about that, John. But yes, excited for the risers podcast tonight. Absolutely. That was so much fun going down to the senior bowl. Uh, it's something I'd, I would love to do every year if I can. Um, not only was it just really cool being able to interview all the players and, and, you know, just taking it all in, watching them all play and everything. But, you know, I, there were certain things that I feel like you, you just cannot see on TV. You know, you can't, you can't see in a box score, you can't see regardless. And you, you really have to be there to get the feel. Even sometimes it was just like, other analysts and other, you know, other media people talking about a, a certain player and you just like, okay, there's 20 guys that all have a consensus feel on the, on this player, you know, like that gives me a pretty good idea about how we all feel about them. So yeah, I mean, there's, there were so many things we could probably talk about it for an hour. People probably have heard, you know, every senior bowl thing, you know, over the past like week or so. So we probably don't have to, but we could. Uh, but I mean, is there anything you want to pick my brain about, uh, about the senior bowl that you haven't already heard, or, you know, or maybe, you know, you think that I might have a little more, uh, of, of a feel for. Yeah, well, and I just think it's it's kind of an interesting um, scenario for somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, like yourself, who's a primarily data driven, data first at least analyst, and um, being that that's just not at all really part of the analysis at that event. Um, I was kind of curious on if you've whether it's changed your mind on your on your process or added further nuance or or if there were like big takeaways for whether it's your process or just like how you can go into an event like that being a guy who prioritizes the data over watching the film or like you know footwork or you know very um qualitative qualities Sure. I mean, there's certain things like uh, I interviewed uh, Marshawn Lloyd for about seven minutes. Unfortunately, the audio is garbage, so I don't think you'll ever hear it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and put it through like a software or something and see if I can't clean it up. But uh, I learned my lesson about not having like a legit mic for, you know, for next time. So, uh, but, you know, I, I talked, I, he, he talked to everyone. He was really super cool about everything. Like he, he was willing to answer any questions. He stayed after they were like, all right, guys, he's not going to take any more questions. And then he went like two feet to the right. And then he stayed there for like another hour answering everybody's questions. So, I mean, he was the coolest guy. Uh, but I asked him, 
you know, obviously like you, you had a great career, college career and everything. So why are you at the senior bowl? And he said, you know, honestly, like look at USC this past year, there's studs everywhere at every single position. And it's really tough to like truly stand out. And on top of that, they didn't really need him, especially in like the passing game. Cause that wasn't really their style. They weren't dinking and dunking, you know, <laughs> Caleb Williams isn't throwing at three yards. He's throwing at 50. And so he, he said he came to the senior bowl to showcase that he has that receiving game. He has that receiving ability that he didn't necessarily get to show off at USC, you know, in, in, in his college career. And so that, that kind of thing, no box score. I mean, honestly, no film watching is necessarily going to be able to show you that like, uh, but you know, no box score is going to be able to show you that either. So that that's definitely something that I, like I said, there's certain things that I feel like you, you kind of have to be there to get that feel and, and everything. Um, but I will say, you know, being more of a box score watcher, you know, uh, metrics based analyst, whatever you want to call me, nerd, uh, you know, like I, I don't like, obviously I watch football. I know how to, I, I played football and like, I, I know all about football. That's not really the problem. That's just not my game. Like I don't scout that way. Um, but I also feel like I went in fresh by not having any kind of ideas about how a certain player does a certain thing or, or whatever it might've been. And so I was able to just go watch them play football and, you know, like in, in almost like learn from, you know, day one, like, okay, who is this person? And, you know, you saw Lad McConkey on day one in the one V ones, and he's just tearing people up, but the, the DBs were giving him so much space and I don't really know why. And so it looked amazing and everyone's freaking out. Okay. Lad McConkey's going to be the, the MVP of the, of the senior bowl. He's probably going to walk away after day one. Well, he didn't. And then day two, they go 11 V 11. And all of a sudden he's just getting destroyed at the line of scrimmage, like can't get off press, can't do anything. And so it's like, all right, well, a don't take everything away from one day B probably don't take too much away from one V ones and, and C, you know, like we really need to look at, you know, a, a grand work and not just like one or two things like that kind of thing. So I really enjoyed the week. It was really cool, but, you know, just picking up on certain things like that was definitely eye opening for me. And, uh, you know, like I said, something I'd like to do for, years to come if I can. Yeah, that's, that's great analysis there. Great experience. And um, I, I do like that takeaway that you had. It's like th these guys have a whole career worth of production and highlights and reps and things for you to watch. So sometimes don't get too caught up, like you said, in, in like the one-on-ones and like, you know, maybe some of the buzzwords that you'll hear from, you know, everybody and their mother who was, you know, either watching the highlights or, you know, analyzing the videos that you were taking or other people there who are actually there in person, um, what they were seeing. So it's, it's one of those deals where it's, it's part of the process. It's not the whole process. So, um, I'm glad you got that experience and it sounds like you had some great takeaways. Yeah. And there's just certain things like I, you know, I ended up running into uh, Monty Bailey's fam family and talking with them for like 30 minutes while uh, during the game. And, you know, he had a huge play while we were sitting there talking, I'm high-fiving and hugging the family and everything, just a, an amazing story, you know, at the very least, but just such a cool experience to be there with the family while he's doing, you know, while he's on the field and they're sitting there telling me, about his mom's track background and how you know like sh she's helping coach him on how to run the 40 properly so that makes me feel like he's going to run a fast 40 and we know that nfl teams love that you know and dynasty players love that so uh you know like amani bailey isn't getting a lot of love right now but i mean he's somebody that could really you know if he runs a 438 like they were kind of talking about <laughs> then you know like he's gonna skyrocket up boards
Yeah, yeah, he's and he's a fun player too. Not to get into too much of the rookie class, but I mean, yeah, I, I've liked him like as a sleeper for a long time, and I think you and I both have have really come around to the idea of Marshawn Lloyd as like a top upper tier uh, back in this class too. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun. I hope I can do it again next year. I hope to have uh, more experience and bring, you know, microphones and all that kind of stuff so I can bring back better audio, more audio um, and, and just have you know, like a, I'll know what to do next year. Let's just put it that way. This year was there was a lot of learning going on, but it was just such a cool experience. Um, so I think that is enough about the senior bowl, though. Uh, you know, a couple, a few minutes on it. But you know, we're here to talk about Debbie players tonight, and we're here to talk about some risers. Um, maybe some of them you've heard of. I would say there's at least a handful you probably never heard of, or at the very least that we've never mentioned on this podcast. Um, and so I, I think that's always interesting. That's always fun because I always hate when we, not to say that it's not important to talk about the best players, obviously, but I hate when we end up talking like three pods in a row about the same player. And it's like, oh, well, you know, like I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. So uh, we're here tonight to talk about that. But Aaron, why don't you go ahead and start us off with your first riser, any position, I don't care if, if you want to start with the QBs. I know you had said you only had one, I believe, unless you added to it after that. You want to start with the QBs? We can, but any position, whatever you want to start with is fine by me. Sure. Well, since you mentioned QBs, let's let's do that. And I just have one, and, and I'll kind of explain that reasoning for why I only had one riser. It's like we have all this uncertainty right now with the Devi QB landscape. And I think that's the biggest reason was we haven't really seen one guy really emerge and rise a whole lot. Like all of these guys, we had this mass exodus basically of, of all this quarterback talent that's coming out this year. And now we're kind of left with these unproven guys. And I, I haven't identified a lot of guys that I've, or that the community or myself have moved up just a ton. Like there's been small movers, but I was already high on Jackson Arnold. Like he hasn't risen at all. It's just like in I mean, relation to where he was going last year in ADP, I guess, like you could technically mention him as a riser, I, I guess. But at the end of the day, um, nothing recently or or even from his performances last season has made me hugely like adjust that opinion on him or same with like Nico. Like, I mean, I liked his flashes, but I already had him pretty high. So um, for me, I will say one guy in this process who hasn't even stepped foot on the field yet in college is Damon Williams. Washington, um, formerly an Arizona commit, but now to Washington as Jed Fish kind of swapped that around. And I just think that Damon Williams is a really, really fun, dynamic player. You'll be very surprised or maybe not so surprised to see like in high school, he was a very good passer as well. A guy who was known for being like a, a smaller quarterback, like 5'11-ish, 180, and just dynamic on the ground, but like he had a great senior season. I mean, he completed 76% of his passes, a 34 to three touchdown to interception ratio, 1100 plus rushing yards and 20 rushing touchdowns. Like the guy's a Konami code and I get that he's small, but I think we need to kind of move past that to some degree and say guys like Kyler Murray can work out and and at the NFL level guys like Bryce Young can go like number one, number two overall, like in the draft and, and a guy like Damon Williams, who had some actually very good offers. Um, I'm not saying like he was recruited by like 
Georgia, Bama, but like, I mean, still very high end teams like Oregon and obviously Arizona, Washington, um, him flipping over. I think there's opportunity for him there. Jeb fish. He's had some recent success with smaller quarterbacks. And I really don't think that will Rogers is that good of a quarterback. So we could even see uh, Demon Williams year one. So I, I just really fell in love with watching him play and the statistics, the production really backs that up and he's just rising in this class. And I don't really see a lot of people talking about him either, but for me, he's, he's my QB five in this incoming freshman class. So I think for some that's, that's really quite high, but I mean, he was an upper tier four-star recruit and really wildly various for rankings amongst the industry. But um, I guess rivals did have him at QB four as well. So there are a lot of things to like with DeMond Williams, but did that selection shock you at all, John? I mean, I, I won't say it shocked me because I honestly don't even know who he is, <laughs> you know, but uh, in, in my quick research here, uh, you know, you know me, I'm not the best with the recruits, but uh, in, in my quick research here, oh, we got Hollywood in the chat, DCA, DCA. Hey, Aaron's here too. Don't forget about Aaron here. <laughs> What's up, Hollywood? Uh, and obviously Toronto Dave's in the chat and Beth, we trust, of course. Um, but to your point, Will Rogers is not the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. Um, I think he has proven that he's a very good game manager. And I guess it's really going to depend on what Fish wants. Uh, you know, if, if that's what he wants, then he's probably just going to stick with Rogers. If he's looking for something that's going to be pushing it down the field and doing more with it, then I feel like you have a really good case to make for Damon Williams. Um, I don't know, you know. Like I said, I don't really know much about the player, you know, besides what you just told me. Um, but all I can say is, you know, I... I have, at least in the past year, I have, uh, you know, like a pretty good case to be made where, you know, I, I wasn't all in on Jackson Dart, but I was all out on, on uh, Spencer Sanders. And so him coming over didn't scare me at all. And I'm like, no, no, it's still going to be Jackson Dart's game. And so you're kind of doing the same thing where maybe you don't necessarily think that Demond Williams is like the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. But you know that you don't believe in Will Rogers. And so you're kind of just betting on at some point it's going to you know switch over to that. And I don't mind that. Like I said, I, I just had a pretty good experience with that as well. And Hollywood does say, hey, Aaron, for, for everyone. So <laughs> what's up, buddy? Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like, like at the very least, we know that they're going to want, like Jetfish is going to want to put his name, his stamp on Washington because they've already, I mean, they were at, at the national championship. Like there's probably high expectations, high hopes, all that kind of stuff. He can't go out and win three games, you know. Like he cannot do that. He would just be, you know, he, he would be, uh, you know, lit lit, lit, the, lit at the stake. And that's not right. Uh, English, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, he, he will, uh, he will be murdered. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. And so he, yeah, I, I feel like he will be very. Uh, will Rogers will have a very short leash when it's all said and done. Uh, is that kind of where you're getting at? Or, I mean, do you, have you really seen something, you know, did you watch his high school tape? Did you see something that you really think like he, he can be that guy? Yeah, uh, honestly, I don't know if it was even as much about um, Will Rogers at all. And just saying that this guy is like so, so um, fun to watch uh, in high school. And when you get a guy who's just very accurate and very, very dynamic as a rusher, and also he's not a rushing quarterback let me make that clear he is a pass first quarterback who also happens to be extremely dynamic on the ground that's exciting that that is like Caleb Williams going out there Caleb Williams is not known for this guy to be like choosing to rush all the time like no he's he's 
eluding guys in the pocket. He's running outside of the pocket, but he's keeping his eyes downfield. He's able to make uh, passes, getting outside of the pocket, playing outside of structure. And I, and I felt that, you know, Demond, he can get more consistent with that, sure, but he was consistently demonstrating that ability as a passer, which was just, you know, that's what puts him ahead of like a Jalen Milrow. So if you hear a podcast, if you hear a source out there say, okay, that's the comp for DeMond Williams, that's that's not accurate at all. Because I mean, Jalen Milrow has never been a high percentage passer um, in his career. He's just never been efficient. Like, yeah, he has a decent arm. He has great mobility, but like DeMond Williams, he has the accuracy as well, which I thought was really interesting. And arm strength. I saw him throw a ball 70 yards. No, no. Actually, eh, yeah, I think it was like 65, 70. Like it was just a huge, huge arm talent um, at times with him, which I thought was really interesting. So it was at least, you know, 60, 65 yards. Um, and, and just with those other traits, I think that he has some specialness to his game. We'll see if that actually translates. I mean, to be fair, I've seen Joe Milton throw a ball 70 yards, and I want nothing to do with Joe Milton, but I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and but Burns, Joe Milton has like a 30%, you know, completion. No, I know, I know. I know. It's just funny. But yeah, we, I mean, he, he's, he has all the prospects to be what we want somebody to be in the NFL, like all that kind of stuff. So I, I love the call. I'm excited for him. Um, I didn't ever really feel like Will Rogers really made sense, like bringing him over to Washington. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. And burned at the stake were the English words that I was trying to put together in that sentence. And uh, I did not do a very good job. at uh, not whatever the hell I said. <laughs> but since we're since we already brought him up, or at least I already brought him up and we're already talking about QBs. I'll just go ahead and talk about my first riser. And once again, it, it was somebody that I didn't necessarily love last season going into the season, but I was just like, I think he's good enough. Like he should be talked about more. He should be in at least the conversation of being a Debbie QB, like that kind of thing. And it was Jackson Dart, you know, and now all of a sudden I feel like people have, everyone has Jackson Dart on their radars and everyone's moved him up. But I don't think it's enough. I feel like everyone's just being a little too slow in moving him up because he's my QB1, my Debbie QB1. Like, there's no one above him except, I mean, you know, if you want to throw some random player that hasn't hardly seen the field or whatever ahead of him, I'm not really going to argue with you. But as far as people or players that have actually touched the field, thrown the ball more than like four times, you know, like that kind of player, he has done the most. And he's hitting all the thresholds I want to see. Big time throw rate, intended air yards, PPR points per touch, interception rate, like all of that stuff. Um, it's honestly the only thing that's really kind of like holding him back is he, he had a slow start to his career, you know? And so like some of those like worst seasons are kind of holding him back. And he doesn't have the, the highest end numbers as far as like adjusted yards per attempt. But I mean, he's right there, like 10, 10 adjusted yards per attempt. That's great. It's not perfect. It's not like amazing. It's not like the best thing we've ever seen. Jaden Daniels was at 13.1 adjusted yards per attempt this past season. So like, obviously that's a pretty big difference there. Um, but it's good enough. You know, we see, we see him in the eighties for QBR. It's good enough. We see like, he's hitting every single threshold and yet people are like, oh, he's my QB eight in Debbie. They're not eight QBs or seven QBs that are better than Jackson Dart right now in Debbie. I'm sorry. It's you're hundred percent projecting at that point. And I really, like I said, I just feel like people are just, they're, they're too slow to move him up because they're scared. But you know, this is the same thing that happened with Jaden Daniels last year. Jaden Daniels was an afterthought. And then all of a sudden Jaden Daniels was no longer an afterthought. JJ McCarthy was an afterthought. And I mean, even 
towards the end of the season, he was still an afterthought to a lot of people. But now you're starting to see all of a sudden he, he's starting to be talked about in the top 10 to 15 of the NFL draft, you know, and that's obviously going to make even some of the non-believers believe because, hey, he got the draft capital and he got this and that. That's the kind of stuff we're looking for. We're not saying that Jackson Dart's going to go in and be the best QB that's ever happened in the NFL draft or anything like that. I'm saying he is Debbie viable and he needs to be higher in your ranks. Yeah. And you know what? I love that. And I think you touched on it. Um, and I would even maybe rephrase it. Like, yeah, people are scared maybe to move them up or they're not very confident in that, but it's more like they've been burned before, right? They have that bias and that disappointment taste in their mouth from those previous instances where they did move them up. And then, you know, at first he wasn't so great, right. With his, his opportunities, you know, two years ago, but now we gotta, we gotta, catch up to what he's done this last year. And we know that at Ole Miss, like he's going to have the opportunity to throw the ball a lot this year too. So he's already going to build on, like you said, everything he's done has been very solid to this point, very safe in a QB landscape right now. That's unproven and volatile. So um, I think that in this landscape right now, it, it makes sense to have him as a, an upper tier guy. He's a top three guy right now in all of Debbie for me. Um, amongst the quarterbacks that is. And I think that's very fair to have him at number one. I can, I can see that argument and not to really um, segue away from that too much, but I'll say, well, I'll just come out and say one of my other risers, like I'll give you Trey Harris, Ole Miss. Now this is a little deeper name, right? But Trey Harris is also going to be benefiting as probably the number one wide receiver in a Jackson Dart led offense for Ole Miss. And guess what Ole Miss is missing this year? Well, they don't have Quinshawn Judkins anymore. So that's going to, that's probably going to boost that passing volume. Like that's just going to allow this passing attack to probably get more volume overall. And, and they're also losing Dayton Wade, who I know like Wade's not like this good NFL prospect by any means, but at the end of the day, he was their second leading wide receiver last year. He had a whole lot of yards. And I think that, you know, even though they're bringing over Antoine Wells, there's going to be weapons at Old Miss. Trey Harris is still that incumbent number one. He had a very solid market share last year, a very good 2.49 yards per team pass attempt, um, leading Ole Miss in, in touchdowns, receiving yards amongst the wide receivers last year. I think he just continues to bounce back, and the only reason he's going back to school another year, in my opinion, is that Trey Harris got injured and banged up this last season, and that really killed his momentum. Like the statistics won't show that from a share standpoint, um, the the impact of him being banged up this last year because he was on pace for a really special season. But unfortunately, you know, getting banged up did impact him. So I think that Trey Harris as kind of a deeper guy. I, I still think he needs to be a riser for a lot of people in the industry. And I have surprisingly bumped him up more than I thought I would, but um, I'll have to refresh my ranks here, but I, or at least uh, look at my ranks, but I think I have him top, his top 20 ish. I want to, yeah, 18th right now in all of Debbie. I love it. I love it. Honestly, I, so I, I'll just come out with it and say he's actually my wide receiver 14. Now that's not with any freshman or anything like that. Um, and there's probably even some other sophomores that didn't ever see the field that I probably, you know, end up putting ahead of them or whatever when it's all said and done. I actually considered talking about him tonight. I'm glad you did. But the only reason why I didn't is just because he's a fifth year senior, you know, like he, that's really the only reason why. And I mean, I, I'm not hating on it. Like I like the player. And like you said, if he goes out and does anything close to what he was on pace for on pace to do, then like he can just absolutely dominate this year. And that's going to go right along with, you know, with Jackson dart. Um, and so like, you know, that that's, that's great. I love that. Um, 
I mean, a lot of times when you see them step up from Conference USA to the SEC, you kind of expect them to to just kind of fall flat on their face, or at the very least, just you know, not quite be the same player. He got better in like every statistical category in the SEC. Um, it, it's almost it's it's really weird but i mean he literally got better at every and i mean that's probably hats off to jackson dart you know but you know like at least for for part of it but i mean it just shows you that he's a quality player for sure yeah but i think that's that illustrates a great point about harris as well that he's able to make that step up and still outproduce guys who have been you know p5 players all that so um yeah certainly a lot to like there but well, I transitioned us over to wide receivers, but how, how about you leave off wherever you want to John with another guy? <laughs> no, no, I'll keep us with the wide receivers. Uh, it's another player. I, I promise not every player I talk about is going to be somebody I've talked about in the past couple pods, uh, because I definitely have some sleepers there here at the end. Uh, but I'm just going to go ahead and get the first one out of the way. London Humphreys. I've talked about him a lot. I don't know if I've talked about him on our pod as much, but I've definitely talked about him on the full tilt Debbie pod quite a bit. And, you know, he's trans he's transferring over to Georgia from Vanderbilt. We all know Vanderbilt's kind of the laughing stock of the SEC. But the funny thing is, I mean, they had three pretty legit receivers on their squad this past year. And Will Shepard, uh, Jaden McGowan, and then obviously London Humphreys as well. London Humphreys was a true freshman. And, and I mean, there, there were some injuries and stuff involved with really all of them. But Humphreys gets on the field, you know, puts up what? Uh, 437 yards you know as a true freshman in an offense with the i mean aj swan got hurt i mean there was a, just a lot going on not the greatest offense in the world the starting qb gets hurt you know he, he's behind other players and everything but one of the greatest things about humphreys is you know size and speed you know and we don't even i don't even love those players as much um you know as maybe you or a normal film grinder would but they see that six foot three frame and they're like oh man and then they see him burning down the field and you know getting uh let's see here da, 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 da. 20.8 yards per reception you know like he's just burning down the field showing that athleticism in the sec you know like not not just a crap competition or anything like that, but you see that. And now he's transferring over to Georgia. Now we know Georgia's not necessarily wide receiver you, but at the same time, we also know that Brock Bowers just left. Uh, you know, Dominic Lovett's still there, but he's really more of like a slot receiver than anything else. I don't think anyone thinks of him as like a true alpha receiver or anything. Um, and then, you know, Lab McConkey just left. There's really like, there's a lot of players, but Carson Beck's back. And a lot of people have Carson Beck as their QB one right now in Debbie, you know, in, in, uh, for dynasty, for all that kind of stuff. So I, I really feel like if we're getting pretty excited about Beck and he kind of lost his athletic freak, you know, player that he can rely on, maybe he's going to go with the athletic freak in London Humphreys, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be super fun. And you're right. He's an athletic dude. Like he was very competitive in the 200 yard dash. Like he, I mean, he is a guy who's better with that top end speed than maybe the acceleration and, you know, like the quickness and things like that. I will have to say, I mean, he's, he's likely just going to be an outside guy, but at the end of the day, like you said, he made a big impact as a true freshman with some, you know, fairly capable 
other wide receivers there in that room. I, I think probably my biggest hang up, and, and this isn't to say I, I dislike him because I like him um, as a shout out for this category for sure, because he needs to be a clear riser in the, in the Debbie landscape right now um, was just more so like at the end of the day, like his yards market share, his yards per team pass attempt, like mm, they weren't necessarily sticking out. Like they, they were okay. Right. Um, at the end of the day, like, you said he has a good yards per reception, but like some of that was kind of skewed with his early season beating up against the bad competition because once it went to sec play, like besides that, that 49 yard touchdown against Georgia on a slant, they just took to the house um, against, you know, kind of just no defense there. They just let him open. Like he really struggled against Kentucky, the rest of the game against Georgia, Auburn, um, South Carolina, Tennessee. And that was a little bit concerning. I, I was hoping that he would just kind of build on that early season momentum um, where he kind of beat up against a little weaker competition. So I guess that's the one caveat or the one thing that's making me you know, a little bit more hesitant to move him up as like a, you know, a top 15 Debbie wide receiver or anything like that. But um, there is a lot of promise with him. And I think that's the stuff that you touched on, right? Like the upside is really tempting at Georgia and he was ranked really highly, I think in two, four, seven as a wide receiver, like a transfer portal ranking or whatever, like they considered him a high end um, guy in the transfer portal. So I think that tells us something about his talents as well. Yeah, and remember, A.J. Swan only played like five games before he got hurt, and and then it was Ken Seals, and I mean, I think we can all agree that Ken Seals is not a quality quarterback. Um, like, I, I, A.J. Swan had more passing yards in those five games than AJ, than uh, Ken Seals did in the rest of the season, so it just kind of shows you that it was not great. So yes, Humphreys fell off later on in the season, but the entire team fell off. I mean, the only player that actually outplayed or outproduced uh, Humphreys was Will Shepard, and he's a fifth-year senior. So uh, maybe he was a fourth year last year. Now he's going to be a fifth-year senior. And so, you know, like that just, I mean, you would expect that. And he only beat him by like 100 and something yards, like maybe 150 yards, whatever it was. Like he had 600 and he, and, and Humphreys had 437, whatever it is. I mean, even if you say 200 yards, ooh, the fourth-year senior uh, beat him by 200 yards. Like I'm just saying there's definitely some stuff that you can say. It's not a perfect ideal situation, and you can't even point to it and say, oh, yeah, he's a guaranteed stud. But there's a lot of things that, that pop off the you know the page and you go, man, I really like this player. He could be something. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, too. I, I guess I, I was looking at like some of the other guys who were putting up some production last year. Like you said, Will Shepard, they're understandable, right, that he would outproduce um, Humphreys. But, you know, there's still McGowan and there's like Junior Sherrill and Quincy Skinner. And, you know, I, I was a little bit, kind of surprised to see that those guys were also eating into Humphrey's share, but I get it. Like the offense can't just only rely on like one or two guys. Like they have to spread the ball around somewhat, especially when it's not a very competent quarterback. So yeah, I think, I think that's a good shout out there. That's, that's for sure. All right. Who you got next? I mean, are you sticking with the wide receivers or are you going somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. I'll stick with the wide receivers. Um, I will, I will shout out Kevin Casey Concepcion. NC State wide receiver. And I mean, he's a guy who's been getting a lot of traction, a lot more buzz now nowadays in the Debbie landscape. And he might be going in the top two to three rounds in startups even. Um, you know, he is a guy who you're going to hear some detractors or at least people, you know, trying to pump the brakes on him this offseason because of 
the potential for, you know, the increased competition coming into NC State's offense. And I think that in a lot of these cases, we see guys come in like there's not studs. It's not like Evan Stewart is coming in there or something like that. Like at the end of the day, it's guys who, you know, they've been okay. Like Wesley Grimes has been okay to this point. He was a pretty good guy coming in. Um, I liked Noah Rogers coming in, but again, we don't really know like how great he is at the end of the day. Casey <clears throat> Concepcion. I mean, he had a huge share of that offense last year as a true freshman and he had a pretty solid 2.21 yards per team pass attempt as well. And I thought something interesting that, that, um, Austin Debbie Dietz at campus again, um, showed was, was that there was basically this list of like power five freshmen that hit over 1.75 yards per team pass attempt. And it's all very impressive very impressive players who've done that as a freshman. And that, that is something that's like, if you use that as a threshold, well, Concepcion easily beat that last year. And he was used all over the field. Like he was a weapon in the backfield. And if you want to point to his low a dots, his low yards per reception, you can, but like, that's because they, they literally had to use him in the backfield. Like he was being utilized also down the field, which we didn't see even out of like Luther burden. Well, we actually saw that out of Casey Concepcion as a true freshman. It's just that there was just so many of these like screen passes and swing passes and stuff like that, that brought it down. So I don't think that truly represents the upside that he has as a, as a more well-rounded wide receiver. I still don't think he's like an outside stud. I think he's more of like a slot type of guy um, going forward. But I think that with Grayson McCall coming in there, hopefully we get a little bit more of a competent passing attack this year. Concepcion isn't needed to be like that gadgety guy all the time. There's other weapons out there too. And I think it'll just help the offense as a whole. So I was, I was pretty, impressed by his playmaking abilities as a true freshman. I'm really hoping he just takes that to the next level. Even if his, if his market share goes down a little bit, I think that just the production overall of the offense will allow for him for a much bigger year. Yeah. I like the call. I kind of have Concepcion in, in that, like, I don't know what to think of him here. You know, like he, when a true freshman goes out and does what he did, you you have to take note you know you 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 have to he he obviously rises up the ranks but then you know you start looking at the 8.5 a dot you know which you already mentioned and and everything and it, it seems a little more gadgety than i like you know I, I like receivers that are actually running routes and doing all that and the problem is now maybe you are saying like you you've seen it in his game and, and you feel like he can actually run routes and do all that you know all i'm saying is i haven't seen it you know i haven't seen it truly happen yet and so I like it. And he, I mean, he fits this, this pod perfectly because he is rising up ranks. He was not in my ranks or, or, you know, barely in my ranks. And now he's pretty damn high. Um, but I just, I don't know if I feel comfortable with it. It's, it's kind of the same thing with burden, you know, it's Luther burden esque where he, he rose up the ranks for me. Like, cause I had him in like, he's garbage, you know, he's like wide receiver hundred for me. And now he's risen the ranks, you know, to pretty substantially, but I don't know if I believe it. And I want to see what happens, you know, in, in another year. And, and, you know, do they use him differently? Do they, does he actually start running routes? Does he do things like that? And I kind of want to see the same thing. The great news for Concepcion is he's a sophomore. He's a true sophomore. Like he has plenty of time to show us, you know, that he has that ability. And, and like you said, he's getting a QB upgrade. He's probably getting, uh, you know, coach upgrade. And if, you know, like I would assume like almost everything's being upgraded for him at this point. The only thing is, like you said, there's, there's probably a little more competition, but you know that's not necessarily a bad thing like i i don't think like you said no one's coming in 
Marvin Harrison Jr. is not coming in, you know, to, to play uh, on the other side from uh, from Concepcion here. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Hopefully it opens up the offense. Hopefully it helps out my boy Grayson McCall, at least for CFF purposes. And, uh, you know, I can go win a championship on on the campus Canton side, but or on the campus side, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I, I do not mind that call at all. I don't, I, I want to be out on Concepcion, but Beth tells me that I can't be. So here we are. <laughs> and I think that Beth is smart there. Uh, and, and at least having him as one of those guys where it's like, eh, let's, let's wait and see, right? Like let's at least consider him like, you know, kind of, well, very interesting based on, you know, how involved he was. But like you said, he needs to prove that like he can actually be like a functional wide receiver and not just, again, more of a low, low ADOT, gadgety type guy, Rondale Moore, whatever you want to call him. So, yes, he needs some development there. But at the end of the day, I saw some intermediate plays in the passing game, like not necessarily like a deep threat type of role, but like at least running down the field 10, 20 yards downfield as a as a route runner, which made me and and actually pulling off some nice receptions there, which made me kind of interested in him. That's for sure. I like it. So I'm going to stick with the wide receivers here. And my riser is probably hilarious because I'm pretty sure he's fallen for almost everyone else because everyone had this player and, and I'm saying everyone with air quotes, but you know, most people, a lot of people had squirrel white really high last year going into his sophomore year. And I didn't really have him there. And I was like, all right, he's fine. He's, he's small. Like he didn't do that much as a freshman, you know, like blah, 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 whatever. Well, now he goes out and he actually puts up what, like 800 and something yards this year, uh, you know, leads the receiving core, like substantially, you know, like basically a one man show for the most part with Joe Milton that we've already talked about is a terrible, terrible quarterback. I mean, I, I saw him live at the senior bowl, he has the worst touch. And by the worst touch, I mean, he has negative touch where if you are five yards away from him, if you're eight yards away from him, he will throw it 20 feet up in the air and 110 miles per hour. And that's just how he throws the ball. Um, you know, he's throwing picks in, in the actual senior bowl, just looking absolutely terrible. I mean, he is not an NFL quarterback. He's barely a college quarterback. He's, he is a gigantic arm. That's essentially what Joe Milton is. And yet, Squirrel White actually goes out and puts up a pretty decent uh, sophomore year, right? And then I feel like everyone's kind of like just, I mean, I don't hear anyone talk about him anymore. So I, I feels like he's fallen off for a lot of people. But he rose up the ranks for me because, I mean, at the, maybe that was more on me because I didn't have him high enough. And that's fair. That's fine. But, I mean, he's in, like, he, I have him one spot behind Trey Harris. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like they're, I mean, obviously they're completely different players and different sizes and all that kind of stuff, not comping the players, but I mean, as, as far as like how I feel about them, I don't feel like they're that far off. And I don't feel like that's the, the, how the Debbie world feels right now, but guess what? He's everyone's really excited about Nico. I coming in being a huge upgrade for, you know, over Joe Milton, who's he throwing to? So I, I feel like I feel like we should be a little more excited about Squirrel White than I than I think a lot of people are right now. Yeah, that's fair. And and I am surprisingly still kind of high on him, or at least my ranks show that I am. Like I just don't know what to do with the guy, right? It's like I I didn't drop him down much, like you were saying. A lot of people did this um this offseason because I wasn't because of the high hopes, I was a little bit disappointed, yes. 
but I wasn't also so disappointed where I'm like, he's dead. He's, he's like a terrible player. Like, no, um, you gotta understand the context of the offense, understand that, you know, he's a little bit banged up last season and, and a slow start and all that type of thing. And Joe Milton couldn't hit him on a deep shot. Like the guy, like, um, squirrel white is not the biggest guy. If the name doesn't give you that hint already, like squirrels kind of this, like, I mean, you need to be somewhat accurate as a quarterback to hit him, And that was not the case this year. So unfortunately, yeah, he didn't have the best showing, but he's still a top 20 guy for me right now at this time. He's actually just ahead of Trey Harris in my ranks. So I think that's a um, an interesting range there. But yeah, I think that you can get a nice discount on Squirrel White now where you don't have to pay top 20 wide receiver prices, you know, in startups and in, you know, supplementals, et cetera. So very interesting um, guy there with Squirrel White. That's for sure. But uh, do you want to touch on any other wide receivers here, John? Uh, I have one more that is like somebody, uh, and of course, Toronto, Dave, with the squirrel emoji in the chat. Um, somebody that, you know, you should be, like I said, maybe it was my fault for not being high enough, but now I feel like I'm going to be that guy that's like, no, don't forget about him, you know? Um, but I have a player that was a true freshman last year. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. It's another one of those guys where he didn't have the best quarterback play, uh, unless you're asking Mike Valerie, who some for some reason believes in Will H- uh, Howard, you know, like more than anyone else. Uh, but is it Jace or is it J.C. Brown? Um, I, I think I've heard both, but I, I'm I want to say Jace, but I feel like it could be J.C. I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, you're, yeah, he's I, looking I, it up. I've, no, I, I feel like I've heard. I don't know if I've heard J.C. I don't know, maybe I have, honestly. All right, well, go we're, ahead, go ahead. I screw up names, so I'm just going to say J.C. Brown, <laughs> as he's always called, of course, uh, was a true freshman, you know, 16.2 yards per reception. You love to see that. You, you know, I love looking at that athleticism, uh, 440 yards and not the greatest offense. Will Howard is not very good, uh, but you know, he, they're getting, once again, kind of like what I was just saying with Squirrel White, they're getting an upgrade this year. I believe that everyone... I think everyone believes that Avery Johnson is a better quarterback than Will Howard. I believe that Avery Johnson's a better quarterback than Will Howard at the very least. Um, and so I'm excited to see what he can do as, you know, a young player who should get better, you know, moving up and, and, uh, and, and growing with the team, like that kind of thing. But, you know, we see 2.3 yards per team pass attempt as a freshman perfectly acceptable you know like stuff like that that you love to see um you know and 14 percent market share nothing crazy but once again a true freshman so i don't have them extremely high this is definitely more of like a sleeperish pick kind of deal um i'm not saying that he's like you know my wide receiver one or anything like that i'm just saying that i feel like it's it's a player that should at least be on radars for debbie and i, I guess at the very least would be like uh, campus to Canton viable, C to C viable, like that kind of thing. But I really feel like he has, he showed enough to where he could actually be possibly Debbie viable when it's all said and done. Yeah, I I like it. And he's a guy I truthfully have to dive into more, Uh, but I will give the listeners just a couple of other names as a little bit, maybe slightly deeper Debbie risers, but still should be on the radar. And that's uh, Tez Johnson, Oregon. 
wide receiver. Um, now we know that Stewart's coming in there. So that does, you know, kill a little bit of the buzz, a little bit of the rise that Tez Johnson could have, but he looked really good in that bowl game and he made a huge impact despite being kind of a last second transfer back over to Oregon to play with his adopted brother, Bo Nix. So I think at the end of the day, he can win all over the field. He's been good from a young age right away in college. Um, he transferred up in competition. So very similar, um, to like what Trey Harris did. And he still looked really good considering he was playing with another guy in Troy Franklin, who was a stud at Oregon. So Tez Johnson, at least on the radars, but again, it's deeper. I'm not saying he's a top 10, not saying he's top 15 type guy, but at the end of the day, I, I really like him a lot. And he just seems like a guy who works super hard and improves year after year. So I respect uh, Tez. And I also think that CJ Daniels going from Liberty to LSU could be an interesting one to keep an eye on just because he's always been an explosive player. I mean, he has a career 18.4 yards per reception. And unfortunately in 2022, his, his season was cut short, but in 2023, he really had a nice breakout season. He killed it with a 37% yards market share and a 3.52 yards per team pass attempt out of all the guys that we've, talked about tonight those are easily the best marks like he he was really good and cj daniels i mean lsu does not have proven talent right now at the wide receiver position like there's there's a huge opportunity there and if nussmeyer is as good as some say that is very interesting and even even if he's not like <laughs> john say he's not um i mean even if he's not like I'm not saying he's gonna be Jaden Daniels like Jaden Daniels had a very very good season and even if he's like 75% of that, like still there's a lot of volume there um, passing wise. Cause we know that Nussmeyer is not the rusher that Daniel says that's for sure. So um, at the end of the day, I think that CJ Daniels going to LSU, he has, he has enough size. He has enough athleticism ability to really uh, be their number one wide receiver. And we know we like LSU wide receiver once most years. I think he's done enough for us to at least respect him as a deeper Debbie riser at this point. Definitely. I, I, you're loving the the fifth year players tonight. Uh, I can, I can tell you that, but I, I, you know, I love the idea the thought process. There's not that much going on there. Um, he definitely stood out. Uh, Hollywood's in the chat again. He says the incoming freshman for Clemson. Is, is he talking about my boy, TJ Moore? Is that, is that who he's talking about? Yeah, TJ Moore, huge riser. And honestly, Clemson's really interesting as a wide receiver room. I feel like we could spend a chunk of time on that um, alone. But yeah, TJ Moore, uh, like Bryant Wesco is another incoming guy for Clemson who's super good. Like his comps that you'll see out there are, are kind of crazy, like CD Lamb and things like that. Like, I mean, Bryant Wesco has some. I mean, he's, he's what a five star in this class. Like Clemson's pulling some very, very good wide receivers. Um, they already have Antonio Williams and Tyler Brown. And yeah, so that's an interesting room to try to not go off on a tangent though. Um, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're right that I, I did mention some of these older guys besides Casey Concepcion. I was, I was tempted though, to also include Eugene Wilson, Florida. Um, but you can say a lot of the same things from what um, Concepcion's profile says that you can say the same things for Eugene Wilson, right? Used underneath, you know, kind of like a decent share, but maybe not quite as good as Concepcion is his yards per receptions, his 
underneath involvement's not maybe going to wow you, but the fact that he was involved, like Eugene Wilson at Florida, um, another very interesting guy who's been a riser for most. His price is getting uncomfortable at this point, though. Um, he's going in, what, round two in startups or, or just super high from what I've seen. Um, so I kind of like some of these guys you can get at a huge discount like the Tez Johnsons the CJ Daniels again Trey Harris like just nobody respects them or, or nobody really values them that much and I, I do feel like they're at least rising somewhat I don't I'm not into most fifth year guys but there are some certain ones where I'm like okay I could see how you know with these extra years of eligibility and log jams at certain positions etc um, can allow for that no, I appreciate it because you're not just saying this guy that's never touched the field is going to be amazing. He's rising up my board. Like, I mean, obviously we can say that and we can do that, but we don't know. <laughs> no one knows. We're just yeah. kind of projecting at that point. At least you're talking about somebody that's actually done something on the field, proven who they are as a player, like that kind of thing. So I do appreciate it. I mean, even if I'm just, I'm not used to you talking about the fifth year players. If anything, I'm, I'm the one that ends up talking about the fifth year guys most of the time. Right, right. And what I'm going to say, like Brandon Innes is a riser. It's like, no, right. he's, really, he's really not. Like he's a face planner who is in a super crowded situation with, like you said, maybe not the best quarterback even coming in there. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but let's pour one out. Let's not call, you know, Brandon Innes a riser just because there's some opportunity there. <laughs> exactly. All right. That's enough about the wide receivers. We'll We'll talk more about the wide receivers as the time comes. Uh, let's get into some of the running backs because I think it's kind of interesting here. And, I, and we'll finish up because I, I know you only had the one quarterback. I had three. And two of them we've definitely never talked about on this pod. That's at the very least. So uh, I think it'll be interesting and possibly exciting. But <laughs> let, let's talk about the running backs first. Um, a player I don't think we've talked about uh, on this pod, but I've talked about somewhere I believe is uh, Jonah Coleman out of Arizona. I feel like he's, you know, he rose up my ranks. I didn't even really hardly know who he was. Um, you know, he's going into his junior season now uh, out of Arizona. Like I said, um, he's a, a little short. I mean, he's five, nine, but he's two twenty five. So he's that ideal size. You, you know, you love to see it. Like if anything, he's a little bigger than ideal size. He might even need to like, you know, do a little more running, do a little more cardio or something. But, um, but everything really stood out last year when Michael Wiley went down. Michael Wiley had an ankle injury. I actually interviewed him and talked to, to Mike, Michael about that. And you know, he was saying how disappointed he was because he really felt like he could have had a great, you know, great year. And that injury just hampered everything. And even when he came back, he just said he just didn't feel the same and it just didn't really work out. Well, in steps Jonah Coleman and really doesn't miss a step, you know, like almost looks at the same or maybe even a little bit better than Wiley, but, you know, at a younger age, you know, as a, as a true sophomore at the time. And, you know, you see the 8% big time run rate, like I said, the, the huge 33 BMIs. I mean, we don't have to worry about size there, uh, two receptions per game. So he's definitely a part of the receiving game there. 1.1 PPR, PPR points per touch. I mean, there's really nothing to hate about the profile. Uh, the only thing, like the last couple of games, they basically just said, okay, Wiley's back and we're going to give him the ball. And so he didn't really touch the ball too much the last couple of games of the season. But it wasn't really like, it wasn't like he got benched or anything like that. It was just like, hey, you know, Wiley's back. We're going to give him his, his starting job back. Uh, I think it's going to be the Jonah Coleman show now. And I, you know, I don't really think that there's any reason to think that think anything differently. And so, I mean, you know, I guess there's some question marks about Arizona and like what, what else going on there, but you know, I, I'm not overly concerned about Coleman, the player, 
And so, I mean, he's definitely somebody, like I said, I didn't even hardly know who he was last year. So he, he has risen up my ranks quite a bit. Yeah. And, and hopefully um, at some point we mentioned him last year, just, I, I know that I've always liked Coleman, but it's not, never necessarily been something where I, I thought he was a stud or a star, but like, I mean, you look at some of these big guys who have just enough athleticism every year. And he's one of those guys where like he could maybe sneak in if he tests right and, and you know, things fall right this year, he's going to have the opportunity. And I've always liked him. I just, I, honestly, I've kind of forgotten about him a little bit this off season because like the, the running back landscape is so deep. And I think that's my only issue with it is like, yeah, I mean, he's interesting for sure. He's going to be draft eligible, but so is like Ollie Gordon and a Marion Hampton and like Trevor Etienne and Nick Singleton and Quinshawn Jenkins and Travion Henderson and Damian Martinez. And, you know, they start going down the, the list and it, it's kind of crazy. Um, like Devin Neal, like a guy, what, like, why would he come back Donovan Edwards? It's like, I go down the list and I'm like, I don't think that Coleman's quite better than any of those guys. Um, though, you know, he was pretty efficient. Yes. At Arizona. And, um, you know, maybe it was partially the defenses he was playing to allowed for a little bit of like inflated, um, efficiency, but at the end of the day, I think that that's a good deeper call and, and he's a guy that we shouldn't forget about completely. So might have to shift him back a little bit up in my ranks. I like it. Um, I guess I, I don't know how many of the running backs you have. I don't even necessarily want to touch on this player too much, but we have him here on the actual overlay. So I figured we should talk about Amari and Hampton a little bit uh, at, at the very least, but he was a riser for me. I don't know if he was actually a riser for you. Cause I know you were always a lot higher on him. Than, than I was, and so he's probably about the same, or you know, roughly. Uh, but I really wasn't a huge fan, especially after that freshman season. I was just like, I'm out. You know, I wanted nothing to do with them. So I'm giving him his credit where it's due. Like he he showed that he's at least a viable running back um, last year. I will say I'm a little concerned about the athleticism, the six percent big time run rate. You know, that, that's a little concerning. Uh, but, you know, he has a lot of the stuff that we love to see with you know, he's the right size and the receiving profile and, and, you know, showed the production part of it. So it's there. Like I said, I'm not saying he's amazing. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm just saying that, like, I, I need to put some respect to his name because I definitely did not do that uh, going into last year. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that respect for sure. Cause I I've always been a Hampton guy and I guess nothing's really changed for me. So that that's why I don't consider him a riser, but I think like you said, in your case um, or just in the case, a lot of folks who, who maybe didn't buy into him based on, you know, what he, you know, presented as a recruit or what he did in that first season. I get it. Like he is a riser in the space in, in general, just like, like an Ollie Gordon, right? Oklahoma state. Um, I guess we'd be, silly not to mention him as, as an obvious riser, what, whether you think he's an actual like legit NFL running back is, is another story, but um, I, I won't go into depth on Ollie Gordon because you probably hear about him and on, on all sorts of podcasts and, and he's just kind of another bigger name, but a guy who's slightly more slept on Abu Sama, Iowa state's running back. And, and that's I'm my getting, next player. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm getting a little, um, yeah, a little smile from John there. That's good. But, you know, 5'11", 200 plus guy, um, you know, higher three-star back. And he, I thought this was interesting that he was a state champ in the long jump. He was second in the 60-meter dash state finals. And he had a 10-900-meter dash time in high school, which is fast. 
Um, however, he was a little bit smaller at that point. He was like 190-ish, I want to say, or, you know, I mean, a little bit thinner, but like he had pretty solid efficiency as a senior in high school. And then what he did this last year, I mean, with like the breakaway run rates and the, the yards per touch and, you know, outproducing his, his backfield mates efficiency wise as a true freshman, that was pretty that was pretty notable and i i thought that like he showed some some power he was competent as a receiver though in kind of a lower volume role um i mean style wise maybe he's not the most flashy guy and he was a little bit inconsistent but for a guy who's been called like an old school grinder like no he he rips off some explosive plays which i think is really um interesting part of his profile so iowa state has that rich history at the running back position i think that he is deservedly so a riser yeah he was my next guy so i, I love the call um another one that i don't feel like we've talked about too much here uh, on this pod and you know and, and not to say that there was too many people talking about him before like the end of the season or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, just everything stands out. The only thing you can really say is it's kind of a small sample. You know, he only has 91 attempts. So, you know, we just, we need to see him take another step forward and, or, or continue on uh, this year and, and be that workhorse back that we want to see. But I mean, everything really, once again, he, he hits a lot of those thresholds that I love to see. So if he continues doing what he was doing this past year, he's going to be, he's going to rise up everyone's boards, even mine. Like, I mean, he, he's already risen quite a bit, but I mean, you know, I, I've, I've built in certain, um, you know, uh, certain points into the, the, the model where it's like, Hey, you know, you have to get a certain amount of attempts before, you know, you really get a boost in it. And, you know, a hundred, a hundred attempts is one of those boosts. So he's nine attempts away before he's going to jump up a little bit, even more. So, uh, you know, we'll, it'll be fun to see what it can do this next year. And then I'm going to wrap up my running backs with uh, a player that I've talked about quite a bit, but we can't talk about a risers pod. We can't have a risers pod and not talk about Dylan Sampson. You know, it's just, it's impossible. Uh, I have loved Sampson for what, two years now. And I really felt like he should have had his uh, even more of a shot than he did last year. But for whatever reason, the coach just really wanted to have four freaking guys touching the ball, you know, and, and, you know, maybe that's not going to go away. Maybe it's not just going to be the Dylan Sampson show this year. And that's fine. Um, I don't even know if we necessarily want it to be the Dylan Sampson show because he's not quite built that workhorse, you know, guy, he's not that kind of player. So maybe we don't want him to touch the ball 30 times a game, but maybe we want him to touch the ball 18 times a game, you know, something to that effect. And if he does that, if he gets that kind of workload, I mean, the dude's just going to be a stud and he's going to, he's going to jump up everyone's boards. He's already, you know, he's been pretty high for me this whole time. I've just been kind of waiting for him to get his shot and he kind of got it last year, but you know, they still had Jalen Wright there. They still had Jabari small there, you know, taking reps for some reason. And then, you know, today we find out he doesn't even get a combine invite. Like, come on guys, why are we giving him the ball? Like, what, what is this? I don't understand it, but it happened. Uh, but man, every time Dylan Sampson touches the ball, it's electric and I want to see more of that. And I mean, e even just beyond what I want to see, what I did see last year, he just keeps rising up the ranks. Exactly. And to get maybe a little further in-depth look at him, uh, check out the Campus to Cat and Devi guide, which will be dropping, you know, I mean, it's a little ways out actually. <laughs> so not for a while, right? But in the future, check that out. Maybe somebody will write about him. Who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, I guess another 
Okay, I was going to go with like bigger names here, maybe like an Ashton Gianti, Boise State, who I have as a top eight back in this class, or actually overall, sorry, a top eight back overall in Devi right now. So um, I have Gianti pretty high. He's rising for me. Jordan James, Oregon back, definitely rising for me as well. But I'll go a little bit deeper, and you might appreciate this guy. I don't know. You just you just dropped Dylan Sampson, who's a little bit smaller. Uh, Jaheim White, West Virginia. And, you know, under the radar guy, undersized, understandably, okay? He's not a workhorse guy. I think he'll be a little bit more of that, like, pass catcher, explosive guy who's maybe not going to get, like, a full workload. But, like, think of Devin Achain. Like, it, I, I'm, I'm not saying that Jaheim White is that type of guy because he's not that type of track star or whatever. But at the end of the day, he has really high efficiency marks and explosive marks all over, like, I mean, his his highlights are fun. I mean, I want to see a little bit more of like the tackle breaking, the contact balance. Like, I mean, his burst is really fun. So at the end of the day, I'm really curious to see like if he continues just to get some high volume at West Virginia and what happens there. But at the end of the day, he's just a guy who's who's been rising for me. And I'm just keeping an eye on him. I'm not putting him up, you know, exceptionally high yet, but um, what he did as a freshman was really, really interesting this year. Yeah, actually, I mean, he, he stood out because I was looking through, you know, I, I used to be the biggest CJ Donaldson fan and I kind of still am, um, and, but I was looking at, at Donaldson's season and I'm like, man, he had a pretty good season, you know, but like no one talks about him. He's just kind of off everyone's radars at this point, but he had a pretty good season. But then I'm, I'm like, well, wait, who's this Jaheim White guy? And so I'm looking at him and I'm like, damn, he kind of stands out too, you know? And then I looked at his size and I'm like, ah, okay. So, you know, it's 5'7", 191 pounds. I think 192 pounds is what I have him listed at. That's just not going to cut it, you know? And like, we're, we try not to be sizes here and, and everything, but when you're a running back, I mean, beyond, you know, obviously receiving profile and everything, 5'7", 192 is, is probably you feel like he's almost maxed out at that point, you know? So it's like, he's not going to be getting any bigger. I don't believe or anything like that. So that's really the only thing holding him back though. Like right now he feels like an even poorer man's Gavin Sawchuck, you know, <laughs> like I, I, uh, you know, insane burst and speed and all that kind of stuff. And just small and, and probably not ever going to be a thing in, in Debbie. Um, I wish him nothing but the best, but, and also, you know, I guess it's probably more of a West Virginia thing, but not much of a, a receiving profile either, but we don't have that with Donaldson or, or anyone else. So I, I don't like it's a, he's a receiving back without being, without being able to catch. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't love that profile. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I just think that Jaheim White's like receiving skills were actually underrated. Like it wasn't high volume, but like, I mean, he went for 125 receiving yards and 25 yards per catch and a few touchdowns this year. Like um, I get, I get it. They're not really passing to the running backs at all, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, more of a change of pace guy. So I just wanted to mention him as a deeper guy because we know the NFL is moving away from some of these like they would rather have a really explosive 195 pound back rather than some of these 230 pound grinders. So at, I guess you're probably right that if you're, if you're looking for Debbie true workhorse upside, like that's not the route you're going to go. Right. You're not, you're not going to draft a guy like, like him. Um, maybe in, you know, PPR league where you're really, um, you know, in the right scenario, I could see him making, um, 
things kind of interesting in the future. But anyways, that's just a deep one, Jaheim White. But like I said, Jordan James, Ashton Giant, deals are some higher-end risers for me as well. No, I, I like the call. I mean, maybe somehow he can, you know, get stretched a little bit, you know, be like 5'9", 200, and, you know, and, then, and then he'll probably be a little more Debbie viable. But, I mean, he, he's not – He's not like low in my ranks. He's just, it's like a guy that size can only be, can only get so high. So I mean, he almost has to be like perfect to move up any higher. And I don't think he's going to be perfect. So that, that's my only concern, but I, I don't mind the call. And especially for, for C2C purposes. I mean, he, he'll probably score at least a good amount of points this upcoming year, but I have a couple, I have a couple of uh, quarterbacks for us here. Now, actually, I mean, technically I put four, uh, so I already talked about Jackson Dart. I already touched on Avery Johnson, but I felt like just m- mentioning him again. You know, I feel like he's definitely a riser for me because once again, just not a player that I really even had on my radar or anything like that. And he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's, I mean, obviously like Will Howard went on to bigger and better things, but I mean, there's a reason why Will Howard entered the transfer portal in the first place. You know, <laughs> like uh, I, I think it's because he, he kind of got the boot and, you know, they were like, Hey, Avery Johnson's actually better. So like, get the hell out of here. So, or, or at least that's how I'm going to speculate and, and that's how I'm going to, you know, that's how it feels to me. So, uh, but I have, oh, I'm trying to decide who to go with first here. So I have a player, I have a player that has attempted 10 passes and I have a player that has attempted 77 passes. Which one would you like first? Oh boy. Give me the 10. Give me the small sample size. Okay. So. Uh, this is a player that I honestly had no idea in, until like he, he popped up into the model and I'm just like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. It's Hank Brown out of Auburn. And I, I think that he, he, he never touched the field until the bowl game. And he only had, uh, the 10 pass attempts. I, I think he had one pass attempt in another game, but he actually had nine in that one game. He went seven for nine for like a hundred and something yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, if, or I don't know, maybe he didn't even score a touchdown, but like it, everyone was talking about how amazing this like end of the game was because Peyton Thorne's just garbage and, and whoever the other quarterback that came in is just absolute garbage. And at the end of the game, they're losing by like four touchdowns and they're like, all right, let's throw in Hank Brown and see what he does. And he looked pretty damn good. The coach is, is talking him up. Um, everyone's just talking him up saying how he's just amazing prospect. And it was obviously the smallest of samples, but the big time throw rate was up there in those nine pass attempts, 10 pass attempts. Uh, the intended air yards were kind of up there and everything, but he's the projected starter this year. And so, you know, while maybe we're not overly excited about Auburn anymore, I mean, he, it's still, you know, it's still a quality team that they're going to have quality players. Um, you, you could probably talk to me more about like whatever recruits they're bringing in and that kind of thing. But just reading up on the player and then reading about how the coach is talking about him. I'm pretty excited about him. And I mean, it's probably a player that you can get pretty damn cheap. Uh, I would assume, you know, especially in Debbie, uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that no one has Hank Brown rostered in Debbie. <laughs> like that, I don't, I don't think that's a thing. So in like really deep Debbie leagues and obviously in C2C leagues, you know, somebody that would be interested adding in supplemental drafts and everything, but for Debbie purposes, if he can do anything like what he did. And I even went back and like looked at his, uh, at his high school stats and everything like he was a pretty prolific high school player as well so i mean it's not like oh just like this throw this guy in he was a three-star player you know like there's there's reasons to believe that he can do it he can take that step forward and be that guy but once again he's the presumed starter as you know as of right now like day one so 
at the very least, he he's so cheap that he can't hurt you, you know. But uh, you know, like I said, there, it just seems like the uh, the excitement is infectious from like just reading a couple articles and everything, and that's that's why I'm all about Hank Brown now. Yeah, hey, hey, that is that is a deep one you're pulling there, and understandably not somebody who has been you know somebody I've rostered or anything like that. Um, at the end of the day, Hank Brown is I got gotta look into this guy now. I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't really have much to say other than the fact that they are bringing in like a high end recruit in Walker White, who has, I mean. I guess a pretty significant name. Like I'd be surprised if Auburn is like, sorry, buddy, but you're never going to play because, because of Hank Brown. But I mean, I, I guess it could, it could happen. <laughs> well, I, and I know a lot of people are really excited about white. I, I think we talked about him on the last pod, even like you, you guys had mentioned his name. Um, you and uh, who do we have on? Josh, I Josh was talking. Josh. Yeah. 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 Josh. Him. Yeah. You guys were talking about him, but one more thing on Hank Brown, just to give you a little more, uh, you know, a little more confidence in him. He actually went to, I think it's Lipscomb High School, and he was coached by Trent Dilfer. And so uh, Trent Dilfer was his coach and says he has all the skills to be an NFL quarterback. And obviously, like, you know, he's probably going to say that about anybody. But, I mean, I don't know about you. Like, Trent Dilfer was not an amazing quarterback himself. But if you've ever heard him speak, like, he is a smart guy. Like, he, he knows the quarterback position. He knows the NFL. He knows all that kind of stuff. And so somebody getting coached up by Trent Dilfer, that makes me feel a little bit better about him. That's a good point there. And and let's see your slightly smaller, but also still small sample size quarterback. (laughs) It's it's another small sample, but I mean, honestly, we, we have like two full games out of this player. And so at the end of the year, you know, kind of like what it's almost like perfect, an ideal situation where it's like, all right, now he's transitioning over to being the starting quarterback. And it's another player I went and looked up just to make sure not only is he listed as the starter on our lads, um, the coach actually already came out February 13th. We're recording this. He came out six days ago and said, Nate Yarnell is our starting quarterback at Pitt. And so I, I was looking at, all right, like, okay, who the hell's Nate Yarnell, right? I'm looking at him. He took over the last couple of games of the season um, he played against Duke and he played against Boston College. So not like the most amazing teams, but definitely not terrible teams. And I mean, basically of who they're going to be playing against, probably like two of the higher end teams that they would be playing against in the ECC and everything. So, I mean, at least middle of the road, whatever you want to call it. But it wasn't like he was playing, you know, Toledo or <laughs> whoever. Uh, they were playing decent competition. He had 13.1 or 13.1% big time throw rate in those uh, 77 attempts, 12.05 intended air yards. So he's throwing it down the field. Like he's slinging the rock. He's not just dinking and dunking or doing anything like that. He had a, uh, he had a 1.3% interception rate, which is right in line with all the big name guys that we love. You know, your Caleb Williams, Drake Mays, any, any of those guys, those top players right in line uh 66% completion rate and the dude just balled out you know like he really did and uh i think the even the adjusted yards per attempt 15.4 adjusted yards per attempt now i mean that's going to come down it, that's wild that's never going to happen you know that's not going to happen all the time but it just shows that he has that he has that big game ability and he has 
he has what it takes to at least be on radars. And I told you these last couple of guys are definitely sleepers and they're not, they're not necessarily risers in the normal sense or whatever you want to call it. But it's just two players. I really wanted to mention just in case they break out that we can be like, Hey man, we were, we were in on these guys, but I mean, he had a 71% uh, completion rate this season, like in those 77 attempts. But like I said, it's two full games in that sample. So you love to see that. Hey, there you go. I mean, I, I love it. And I, I don't mind the depth there because we've went in depth tonight and I'll say Connor Harrell, UNC quarterback, another, you know, I, I put my stamp on, on him for the season too. I mean, I, I think that, that that's just a fun, um, a fun player in general. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I think that you can find some of these quarterbacks who just haven't had a very large sample thus far. And um, there's some interesting aspects to their profile and they could be big time breakouts in this wide open uh, Debbie quarterback landscape. Absolutely. So you think that UNC is just going to keep turning them out, huh? I mean, uh, Harold's high school production was just so interesting so under the radar like I'm, I'm kind of surprised he just wasn't a higher end recruit and um he he has just a lot of things going for him in my opinion so yeah i, I think that there's opportunity for him to be kind of next next in line there you could say yeah and just to end it with a name that people have actually heard of um you know i'll just say lenore sellers for obvious reasons um you know like he very small sample once again, but you know, it seems like everyone, especially a lot of your C2C boys over there, uh, they just absolutely love him. And so I'm excited to see what he can do this year. You know, it seems like they're, you know, they're building a pretty good squad around him and everything. So he, he should have all the tools to succeed and everything. We just have to see if he can continue what he did in those four passes, uh, that he actually attempted last year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I have a hard time ranking him. I mean, like I was high on him early in the process and I got him, you know, deep in, or sorry, late in leagues and supplementals, which, which was awesome. But now it's like, uh, how high can I slot in a guy with that small of a sample size and, and, you know, some great physical tools, but you just don't know, like, how is he actually going to be as a quarterback? So um, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I think you got to shout him out as a guy who has risen no doubt about that. It's just how high, right, is the question. So, I mean, I have him top 20 amongst Debbie quarterbacks right now. Yeah, I'm good with that. Actually, you know, I have one last QB riser, and I actually feel like this is a, a good riser and kind of a, a sleeper, a potential sleeper for this upcoming year. And I feel like he's just not getting enough buzz for what he's already done in college, but then also where he's at now. And it's Dylan Gabriel going over to Oregon. You know, and I feel like he he he's already put together a pretty solid college career. I'm not saying it's amazing. I'm not saying it's perfect or anything like that. But now he's going over to Oregon where everything's in place. Now, obviously, they're losing Troy Franklin. Like, you know, that's not great. But, I mean, Oregon's going to be just fine. They have plenty of pieces there in, in, in place. In fact, you know, maybe it's even gotten better, some might say. But regardless, I think that Look at what Bo Nix, look who Bo Nix is as a player. Not the greatest. He's been getting first round buzz for a while now. Now it's starting to calm down now. And we've been saying pump the brakes on that one for a while now. Like I, I don't think you were ever a, a Bo Nix believer. I definitely was not like, I feel like he's the epitome of a game manager and you know, like that's it, like a, a career backup game manager, that kind of thing. It just really worked in that system with those players, the yak ability, all that kind of stuff. 
Now throw in Dylan Gabriel, who's actually shown that he can be a pretty good passer, you know, pretty uh, prolific player. And now throw in all these players that they're going to have around him and the system, the coach is still there, all that kind of good stuff. Why isn't he being talked about more as a potential actual Debbie player who's going to hit? No, it's a fifth year player, of course, but how many fifth year players have we talked about tonight? How many fifth year players have we talked about in the past couple of years as far as NFL quarterbacks? The NFL is just kind of saying like, we get it. It doesn't, it takes time. We don't care. We want you to be an, a quarterback. We want you to win games for us. We don't care if it's three years, five years, or 10 years. If you prove that you can do that, we want you on our team. So I feel like Dylan Gabriel is somebody that you should be able to go trade for, or do whatever, and has a legitimate shot at being even maybe QB one when this all said and done by the end of the year. That That is a bold one. And I think my only issue with, Dylan Gabriel, like, I, I think that you're going to be right that the production is going to take even a further step up. It's like, if he hasn't been able to prove that through, you know, however many seasons he's been in college so far, I think there's just something missing that the NFL really wants. And, and for me, I identify that as the arm strength thing, right? People think, you know, of Bo Nix as this guy who has just a lot of rushing talent and a lot of, you know, arm talent. When in the reality is, you know, Bo Nix was not pushing the ball down the field. Bo Nix is not that accurate of a deep passer and, and not that skilled really overall as a passer. Um, while I think that Dylan Gabriel is a better passer, I don't think he has that NFL arm velocity and, and strength and all those things. That's why he hasn't yet declared um, thus far through, you know, however many seasons, super, super, super senior or whatever he is. Um, but at the end of the day, he's going to have a really fun this fun year. And you're going to, if nothing else, you're probably going to see him rise up in the same way that Michael Penix did. Right. People love Michael Penix or at least loved until the national championship game. And imagine if he would have just been a little bit better for that game or they weren't able to pressure him so much like Penix would still be up there as like, oh, this first round quarterback in this draft, like he's going to be a stud. He's going to be a, a great fantasy option. Like I, I think that there's you know some chance that Dylan Gabriel also has a very prolific um, season in that way. I think at some point, though, we're, we're going to um, see that he's just not quite the talent for like an NFL um, high end NFL role, but hey, I don't mind that call as far as like, he probably will rise at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I was saying fifth year player, but he's actually going to be a sixth year, sixth year player. So, I mean, it's the, the odds are definitely going down each year. Uh, but like I said, we've seen the NFL be willing to kind of forgive that a little bit. So I, I don't want to hold it against him too much. And the thing is, like, he stands out in all the categories that I want him to stand out in. But like you said, why hasn't he actually entered the NFL draft? That's that's the weird thing. Um, and, and you know, and sometimes it's just the the NFL's already told him what you know what they want to hear or don't want to hear. You know, like that kind of thing. And you know, it's like I, not comping the players, not comping the situations or anything like that. But you know, I felt like a couple of years ago, Grayson McCall could have come out. And here we are, Grayson McCall's going into his fifth, sixth year, whatever it is. And, you know, it's just everyone's really excited for him at NC State. But the odds of him actually being an NFL viable or Debbie viable player have just, you know, basically gone down to nil so far or, you know, now. So it, it's just one of those things. But I feel like I'm just seeing all the hype for Knicks and, and Oregon and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, well, what's going to change? 
you know, and then that's the only reason why I'm like, Hey, don't forget about Gabriel. So it's definitely somebody just like keep on your radar. And like I said, you could probably uh, trade for him extremely cheap in a Debbie league, especially, um, you know, it, that's the whole point is, I mean, you could probably get him as a throw in if he's even rostered for a lot of people. I mean, he could have been dropped easily at, at this point and you know, you might be able to just like pick him up or, or however, you know, every Debbie league's a little different, you know, if you have waivers, if you don't, whatever it is. But, uh, I mean, I, like I said, just don't forget about him. Yeah. Yeah. Good point there. Are there any tight ends that you want to mention? Uh, not really. I mean, Luke Hosh, uh, you know, I, I would say, but you know, he, he, he was a freshman and he, got, he got hurt. I mean, it's hard to call him like a true riser, but I mean, he, he was blowing up and he should be on radars and all that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I don't, I don't know if there's any tight ends that I actually care about. <laughs> How about Harold Fennon Jr. Bowling green tight end. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not overly excited about really any tight ends except for Hosh. Like he's the only one that like kind of stands out as like the possibility to be in that, not Brock Bowers level, but like maybe the tier below that or something like that. Like no other tight ends, like truly standing out like that. And, uh, but I mean, I, we've talked about fanning in the past and he's definitely up there as like one of my, one of my higher end tight ends, but that's only saying so much. <laughs> Right, right. I just think that, you know, w whether you love him or you hate him, I guess he is a riser um, and ultimately like a versatile guy and, and productive guy to this point in what, two years into college and can be kind of utilized all over. So he has he has a very interesting profile and I think another year of really blowing up and, and people actually will be taking notes and saying, wow, this guy could be, you know, even like a day two type of tight end um, in the NFL draft. So I think. Fannin is interesting, if nothing else. But like you said, the tight end position right now, it's just so much is up in the air. And I, I don't really have like a strong other guy that I'm going to propose as like a huge riser either. It's just kind of a, everybody keeps saying how deep it is. I just think it's kind of bland, right? In general, like, I mean, you can call that deep if you want, but it's not overly attractive like it has been in some years with some studs. Yeah, you're really bringing us down with the the tight end talk here. Uh, a, a name that we mentioned in, in the past, but Justin Jolly or Justin Jolie, whatever however you ever say his name, you know, he, he's definitely a riser for me. Uh, but you know, like I said, you're really bringing us down here with the the tight end talk. We oh. we tried to end on Dylan Gabriel, Oregon, you know, excitement, and then you were like, "Hey, tight ends exist." <laughs> Oh man, we need an exciting name to end the show on. Like just, just a little, you know, a little bow there. But maybe we've already talked about him enough. But maybe eh, not Trevor Etienne because a lot of people already liked him. You know, he's not really rising. I mean, like he could rise up more. I mean, that's a great landing spot at Georgia, right? But um, and maybe it's just not going to happen, right? Maybe we just have to end on a on a sad note. <laughs> I, I, all right so it, it's kind of a cop-out because he, he really hasn't done it's extremely small sample but i'll say for me and i mean it, it, it's kind of dumb because he was a, a high-end prospect but jalen hale for bama is, is a riser for me because we actually saw him do a little bit of something he only ran like 70 something uh routes so not not all that great uh, as far as like you know production wise or anything like that but we also know that Jalen Milrow is not the greatest quarterback. And so for the little bit of production that he did, 
you know, putting up 24 yards per attempt or yards per, you know, reception and like things like that. That's what I like to see, even if it's not, you know, in a huge sample size, um, you know, 4.5 PPR points per touch. That's really exciting. So, you know, we, I obviously I would love to see it not be Jalen Milrow at the, you know, at the helm. And maybe we will see that. Who knows? Like, we don't know exactly what's going down with, uh, with Bama. And I mean, like I said, it, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I did not want to end on tight ends. So I'll say Jalen Hill was a riser for me because at least we saw him do, he, he broke those year one thresholds that, you know, that, that we worry about the year one zero thresholds uh, that the campus Canton, you know, worries about. He broke all that kind of stuff. And, and like I said, he looked pretty damn explosive while doing it so he's somebody that I, i'm very interested in seeing what he can do in the future yeah that, that's a good call out and, and that's a very attractive one because he was a true freshman this last season like you said and i think that you know even talking about like deuce robinson nick harbour um you know nick anderson some some of these young guys right i, I think some of them are, are certainly eligible to be considered a riser at this point so that should be a little bit more exciting to cap things off huh I like it much better. <laughs> All right. Well, we're about uh, almost an hour and a half here. And so I think we did a pretty good job of explaining and, and giving you our risers here. Hopefully you guys learned some names to, you know, at least write down there. You know, like I said, you don't have to go out and buy these players, add these players do whatever right now, but at least have them on your radars. But there's a couple of those players that you probably should go ahead and try to trade for, uh, you know, pretty soon, you know, before they start touching the field and, and, you know, their, their values are just going to go, or skyrocket at that point so uh we appreciate you guys listening as always hopefully you enjoyed this uh i can't wait to give you more senior bowl uh you know stuff more stories i i have a lot that i've already left out so we'll, we'll have to talk about the senior bowl a little bit more we'll just mix it in with anytime we talk about a player that was at the senior bowl that i have a story about you better believe i'm gonna have that story pop up and and, and i'll have it for you but uh aaron any words of wisdom before we get out of here no, other than, you know, startup season, supplemental season, all that is coming up here. So even like John said, you don't have to go make a trade necessarily. You don't have to go put it that work in if you don't want to right now for some of these players. Maybe they're available in your upcoming Debbie draft or whatever the case is. So just kind of file away these guys as if they were under your radar or if you hadn't really you know, updated ranks, whatever the case is, understand that these guys might be a little bit slept on at this time. Absolutely. Well, once again, we appreciate you guys listening. We will be back in your ears as soon as possible. But for now, we're going to go ahead and cash out. See you guys.